We are abandoning brands today in a way that we never did before. We had way more grace for companies. And now you'll find yourself in conversation, people saying, oh, I don't go there anymore. Well, why? Well, let me tell you about this one time. And it was because of a frontline employee. Mm. They were frustrating to work with, they were indifferent and they didn't care. But I don't think they know the power that they have. And that's why I wanted to write the book was, man, if every employee knew, whether they're front lines or they're within a culture, that they have the power to make or break a moment of impact on someone else's lives, and they did something with that, I really think our world would be a much kinder, nicer, more empowered place to be. Welcome to the Beyond Speaking podcast from Premier Speakers Bureau, featuring in-depth conversations with the world's most in-demand keynote speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord. President here at Premier Speakers Bureau and host of this Beyond Speaking podcast. Today we've got Elizabeth Dixon on. So Elizabeth is an expert in a lot of areas. So uh, we're going to be talking about uh, things like uh, how to work with your frontline employees. Uh, she's been at Chick-fil-A for 20 years, moved on some, to some new things, everything from filmmaking to rock climbing or all these other different things that, that she's done. And also is the author of The Power of Customer Experience, Five Elements to Make an Impact. So Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. So um, how did you get started at Chick-fil-A? Well, that's a really fun story. I actually <laughs> was at Liberty University. I was a major in exercise science. My dad asked me a great question. I was a freshman in college. And I said, Dad, I don't know what to major in. And he said, well, what do you love? And I said, well, I love the human body and how it works. I was a ballet dancer all growing up. And he said, well, can you major in that? And I said, yeah, actually I can. So I majored in that. I was in the season of applying for jobs of what's next. And um, I had an incredible internship, which led to a great opportunity at the White House, actually, in DC to oh, wow. do health and fitness for the White House, the new executive office building in mm -hmm. particular, Army, CIA, et cetera. And I felt the Lord say, no, like, that's not what I have for you. So I started this bargaining conversation, of like, <laughs> what else, you know? And there was it, all closed doors. And I thought, well, just, I just don't want to move home without a job. And so anyway, I ended up moving home without a job. <laughs> and I was trying to volunteer for anything I could, get involved in any way that I could. I started doing event planning. I started working for our local church, doing women's ministry as an intern. They said, we don't have an internship. And I said, it's free labor. I will show up on Monday. You don't have to pay me. Like, I just want to add value somewhere. And about three months into that, I got a call from the company I did my internship with in Dallas. And they said, we just built a relationship with a company and they want to start a wellness program. And we think you'd be great to go start it. Because I'd started some businesses in college. I thought that was normal, what everybody would do. So I had more experience than I had age. And I said, well, what's the company? And they said, Chick-fil-A. It's like, what? I love that company. <laughs> so that's how I originally got to Chick-fil-A to start a wellness program for them. And then I was in human resources and then marketing and led hospitality for the company and then strategy and research and development. And then more recently, I shifted to work for our chairman now, Dan Cathy, and some of the great visions he's bringing to life in uh, South Atlanta. And some of those things you're talking about that you're working on are, are pretty amazing because you think of Chick-fil-A like I'm I'm kind of an addict like I'm like I just moved up to whatever the whatever the fifth tier yes, all those signature. different tiers are yes. and everything else. Yes, congratulations. And thank you very much. Yes. I know it's, that's right up there with my college diploma. I've hit yes. this certain rank <laughs> at uh, Chick-fil-A uh, status. 
but what are some of those other things like movies and like I was really I was really shocked that 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 the company you're working for is one of the largest in the world at yes. what they do. It's crazy. So seven years ago, it was a big cow pasture. And there was a tax credit that came to Georgia for film. And so Dan Cathy and his wife thought, well, what if we built a relationship? They'd been over to London to visit Pinewood Studios and they built a relationship with that team. What if we built a Pinewood Studios in America? Mm -hmm. So they did. And it was extremely successful. Dan had bigger visions of building a town and a whole community around that and live stage audience shows like Judge Steve Harvey and Family Feud and et cetera. And Pinewood said, that's not really our jam. So they had a very amicable split. And now it's called Trillith, T-R-I-L-I-T-H, Trillith, which means a stone structure. Stonehenge is a Trillith. And so we think about it as a portal, a gateway to inspiration. Mm -hmm. And so we have the studios and we have a town. The studios is it's second right now. It's about to be the largest in North America. And some of the top grossing films have been filmed there, which is incredible. And he has a vision to create a better experience for the film industry. And there's a lot of folks moving from the West Coast to the East Coast for what's happening in Georgia. Yeah, and that's amazing. Like you're saying, like Endgame and, yes. and Wakanda Forever, yes. which was amazing. We just yes, watched that. Yeah, just came out. So yeah, exciting. That that is. What are the um, since you've been kind of in both places? Hmm. What um, and I know you speak to a wide variety of audiences. What are the lessons that you take from Chick-fil-A to a movie studio? Mm, so many of them are within who Dan is as a person. He is one of the best leaders that I've ever been able to work for. Um, I would say the care, the intentionality, the design, the way that we would um, design the drive-through experience, the way that we would design the ordering experience, the way that the food would be selected, the quality, all of that would be top. Same at Trillith. It's mm -hmm. all above and beyond. This was so cool. The other day, <laughs> I got there to work early, and we have a town center. And I grab my cup of coffee, and I'm walking down to one of the breakfast spots. And I hear, Elizabeth. And I look over, and it's Dan. He's like, hold on. And he runs over, and we start walking together. And he starts teaching me about the right amount of gravel to have in between cobblestones to be able to walk smoothly on it, but also have the audible sound when you drive over it. <laughs> and I was like, I had no idea that there's like the science. And he kneels down and shows me and some of the gentlemen were sweeping the street to spread the gravel. And he went over to them and started instructing them on how to do it the same way that he would do at Chick-fil-A on how you carry a tray to a table, how you open a door for a customer. That intentionality, the care, the design, and the quality, over-the-top quality, all of that. And that's what is making it so successful for the film industry because they get to have a better experience filming and then ultimately that impacts the quality of the, the movies that we get to enjoy. Yeah, and that's amazing. Like You think of, of, of how those little details impact that. And even just with you talking, like even before we, we got on air here, just talking about like your customer experience at like a popular local restaurant here, or uh, just helping me out by making sure my collar was the right way, because I, I always miss that. So, um, so thank you. That way you can enjoy a good collar here. Um, where do you think that I, attention to detail comes from? For me or yeah. for Chick-fil-A? Yeah. I think details matter. I think there's power in the details. I think that impact on others' lives often comes in disguise in those small moments mm -hmm. of showing somebody that they matter. Maybe it's in an elevator and just greeting them and saying hello, or 
if you're in a service experience, it's going above and beyond for them to make sure that they know that they're important and they're valuable. And I think that that's, that's a huge opportunity that we have every day that um, Truett used to always say, how do you know if someone needs encouragement? And the answer is if they're breathing. <laughs> and I think that when we're attentive to those small details, we get to show people that they matter. And for employees, it happens at every level of the organization. It's not just saved for a certain group, but it's everybody understanding that the role they play in creating this experience is valuable and it's important. And then it's good for business mm -hmm. because when we're attentive to detail, customers recognize it. And whether they speak to it or not, it creates a feeling in them that drives them to want to go back, to want to tell other people about it. And so I think it matters for both. We can impact people and we can also be really good for business and help grow our businesses in a meaningful way. Uh, so at a movie studio, so obviously with like Chick-fil-A, the frontline worker, everyone knows who that is. That's mm -hmm. the person that's, that's serving you in the drive-through window or walking out to your car or at the, at the counter on the inside. Mm -hmm. Who are the frontline workers at a studio like Trillith? Well, so it kind of is multidimensional because you have the actual studios that are renting out space to the production. So mm -hmm. whether that's your Marvel or whoever that's coming in. And so then within those groups, you have the teams that are bringing to life these films, the lighting, the sound, the stage creation, and um, building all of that. You have the talent. So it's multidimensional in the sense that the Trillith team that's serving the productions that are coming on site, the security team, the greeters who are welcoming people and badging people in and keeping everyone safe, their front lines for everybody, but also the groups that are there for three, six, eight months doing their films, they're within that group, there's front lines serving each other to create the films or the live studio audience shows. And then for us, you have the town. So then you come over and you have the restaurants and you have the shops and you have the co-working space. So there's all the front lines bringing to life that experience from a town side as well. And together, that creates a cohesive experience that we want to be remarkable and really stand out. So if you're a leader, um, you know, in, in far removed, uh, at least from a, a org chart way, from the front line, like you're very big and a front line expert, how do you um, influence the front line? What's the best way for you as a leader to help those people on the front line to be better at what they do? Mm. So where I received this, I'll say, I was really blessed to be mentored by Horst Schultze, who founded the Ritz-Carlton, and he's become a special a friend to my husband and I and his wife, Sherry. But I learned it from him, and the wisdom that he gave me is that you have to get in it with them. Like, you have to know what it's like. You have to know what the challenges are in that role. And then you, you show them the way to do it, and you encourage them. So it's... Um, like was it Einstein that said that oftentimes opportunity is missed because it's disguised as hard work and yeah. overalls, right? <laughs> so you got to get in it. You got to know what it's like. And we were at a Hilton property, I believe it was. Um, maybe it was a Hyatt actually. Anyway, um, we were on a trip and Horst and I were walking through the hotel and there were probably six employees that stopped to talk to Horst to tell him what years they worked for him and at what property it was. Because before he started the Ritz-Carlton, he'd been a major executive within a different hotel company. And people were coming up recognizing him and saying, thank you, you taught me what it's like to truly serve people. Mm. 
And for him, that went way back to age 14. He begged his mom to be able to go work at a hotel in Germany. It was, I think it was like an hour away from their house. And she ended up saying yes. And she said, now remember, Horst, you're serving important people. Shine your shoes, iron your clothes. You are serving important people. And he got there to the hotel and the, the staff would say the same kind of message. But there was something about this certain maitre d' that when he would walk into the dining room, he would elevate the entire experience of the dining room for people. And Horst took note of that and he asked him about that. And that entire experience caused him at age 14 to write a paper entitled Ladies and Gentlemen Serving Ladies and Gentlemen. Mm. And that became the motto for the Ritz-Carlton decades later, because he said, yes, we are serving important people, but we are also important people. And so we have to get in it to understand what's going on in the front lines, but we also have to make sure that we understand and communicate to them. They are important. Their role is critically important and they have the power to make or break the experience for the customer. And when they understand that, it helps give them a purpose beyond the paycheck. It's something meaningful that they can wake up and jump out of bed for mm -hmm. that's beyond just getting that paycheck every few weeks. So I think the biggest thing is we can get in it with them. We can know what the experience is like. We can know what the pain points are like and do everything we can to fix those. And then we can make sure that they are aligned to the mission. They're aligned to the objective of the organization. And that's something that's way bigger than profits and way bigger and more meaningful to the world than just being a healthy, sustainable business. Mm, I love that. I love it. That's great. Um, I, one of the other things I like that you talk about is that it goes back as well. Like what can you as a leader learn from frontline people about innovation? Oh, well that's where the best innovations come from because the employees at the front lines, they experience the pain. They see the problem that needs to be fixed. I was at a retail store last night because our kiddos had a Christmas program and I'd asked them, it says you're supposed to wear Christmas pajamas. Do you want to wear Christmas pajamas? No, no, we don't want to wear Christmas pajamas. No, no, last minute they decided they wanted Christmas pajamas. <laughs> so I am online, I'm not going to say the brand, but it was a very seamless online experience to get Christmas pajamas within 10 minutes. So I curbside do the pickup thing. I end up, there is no curbside pickup, but I got to go in. <laughs> so I go in and I ask, hey, where's the pickup? And they don't have the order ready. And the employee is stuck behind a really clunky, broken process. He's kind. He's doing everything he can to do this. He runs and finds the pajamas. He has to print off the certain tag and put the certain sticker on and all this. And I'm watching it thinking, he hates this right now. He hates that it's broken like this. This isn't fun for him. Mm -hmm. I'll contrast that with we were on a trip and we needed to get groceries and we did, I will say the brand, a Walmart pickup. And we pull into the parking lot, pull into the parking spot, and as we're putting it in park, the employee is rolling our groceries out to the car. I mean, it was <laughs> instantaneous. My friend said, oh my goodness, he is the nicest man ever. Gave the employee all the credit for geofencing. It's a technology that exists when you're within a certain radius that so they can start coming out that employee was enhanced. He was elevated by a really beautiful process. So 
it's important that we listen to the front lines because they're feeling it. They're feeling the friction or the pain. And we have to make sure that we know what's going on. And that's the things that we need to focus the most on the pain points and then the future opportunities. Mm -hmm. Where is it that customers want us to go? Mm -hmm. They're not putting words to it yet. The whole Henry Ford, if I gave them what they asked for, it'd be a faster horse. <laughs> well, we've got to know enough that they want speed. And so what does that look like in a future day? And how can we design that for them? So the front lines are the ones that are going to hear the rumblings of the pains and the opportunities. And then it's our job to make sure that we're elevating that up to the organization, that we prioritize those things so that you have more of the Walmart experience and not so much of the retail one where you're stuck behind a bad process. One of the things that is so important right now, I know you've got the great HR background, mm. uh, is, is with those frontline employees, actually getting them. So mm. how do you get those people and how do you keep them? Mm, that's so hard. And ever since COVID, it's like, you know, all bets are off in some ways. But I think a big part of it is going to be what is the purpose that you're, you're working towards? What is that compelling reason? The younger generation today, they want organizations to be purposeful and they want them to communicate that purpose. And so what is it that you're working toward? And it's not just the service or the product. It's something bigger and grander that people get to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And then I think having a clear path. So what's the path for growth? Again, a lot of the younger generation now wants what is my what is my way to move up? How am I going to how am I going to improve here? So having a purpose, having a path, and then I think onboarding is really really important. Horse talks a lot about that in his book Excellence Wins. And it's that you have the first few days to align them to your mission and objective. He talks about how people don't relate to orders and direction, but they, they align to mission and objective. And so in those first few days, it's an emotional life event for people and you can align them to what really matters. Zappos is great at this. They have, I think it's a week long or two week long process of onboarding. And at the end of it, they'll actually pay you $2,000 to leave. <laughs> and you're thinking, what? Like I can get two grand right now to leave the company, but they know that it would be better for you to take the $2,000 and leave than to be an employee in the company that is not going to be committed to their purpose and their mission. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, a way to make sure you can attract the right people to be the organization that employees are going to want to be a part of. Have that purpose, have that path for growth, onboard them in a way that they're going to want to be a part of this and they're going to align to the mission. And then how do you keep them? I think one thing we talk about a lot is that the customer experience is an overflow of the employee experience. And we spend a lot of time as organizations thinking about the customer experience, but if we neglect the employee experience, we're going to lose it. Mm. So how do we create those systems, those processes, that culture that truly makes employees feel like they're valued and they're making a difference and they get clear feedback and they know what growth can look like for them. So I think a lot of that comes to listening and being willing to adapt and change organizational processes to meet the needs of the generation that is in the workforce mm -hmm. and not being stuck in the old days of this is how we used to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's great. I mean, just having that transition and growth is, is just amazing. I, one thing that I've, I'm hearing from event planners, so many people now, is that 
they they want a speaker on a big broad topic, but they mm. also want something that has to do with health and wellness and mental well-being. And obviously, you've got mm. that background. You're invited to be in the White House program. Yeah. You started off with Chick-fil-A through that. Um, as an executive, you know, what are the best ways leaders can help their people from that health and wellness standpoint? Mm, it's so important. And it used to be we talked about physical health. We talked about nutrition. We talked about sleep. We talked about exercise. All those things are really important. But thankfully to folks like, you know, Brene Brown and John Acuff and others, we're talking about the mental and the emotional side. <clears throat> we're talking about the soundtracks. We're talking about the stories that we're telling ourselves. We're talking about how healthy we are mentally and emotionally. And so having resources is huge. Having the accessibility for employees to get the help that they need when they need it and that there's safety in the organization that you're not going to get in trouble. There's no fear of reciprocity that, oh, if I raise my hand that I need this kind of help, then I might get put on this list that I won't be able to grow in my career. <laughs> and I think sometimes there's fear for that and that holds us back. But how do you create enough privacy and enough resources that are accessible without having to be overt about what you need? And so resources are huge. And then I think going first, when you hear a leader talk about the struggles that they have and where they found help, when you hear a leader talk about where they failed and they, they um, moved forward through that failure and they grew through it, that's so powerful because culturally we get what we as leaders model, create, and allow. Mm. And if we're modeling authenticity and when we're modeling we're not perfect and, and we need help as well, then we set a stage for the rest of the organization to say, you know what, it's okay. Mm. So we have to have the resources accessible and then we have to go first and make sure that we're modeling, that we're creating a culture around us and that we're allowing the things that we want to happen to happen and we're not allowing the things that are gonna be threats to our culture to take place. Yeah, and I, I love how you just have this pattern over the past 20 some years of of giving back, of mm. saying, how can I use my gifts to help others? Mm. So and I, I love the, the, you know, the power of customer experience. What is, what made you want to write this? For me, in my time leading hospitality for Chick-fil-A, I had great resources from a strategy perspective, design thinking, service process design, um, great resources to help you think about how to actually design from a corporate perspective. But the power of it, not to diminish that, it's important. You have to have, <laughs> we talked about that a second ago. You can't put people, great people, behind a bad process. That's important. But the power of bringing it to life, like my retail experience last night was saved because of Nathan. Mm. He saved it. He, he helped me. He got me the pajamas. We got to the Christmas presentation on time, and my kids were in Christmas pajamas. Nathan <laughs> saved it. But the power of it is with Nathan. Mm -hmm. And where I felt this moment was Nathan doesn't realize that. Nathan's just like, oh, grab the pajamas, put them in the bag. Like he thinks it's just another obligation of his job. But if he understood that he actually had the power to make or break that moment and make or break my brand perception of that company, I think he would look at his job differently. I think he would be way more empowered 
going, no, I actually have an important role in this. The front lines are not less than, they're the most important part of the brand experience. Because when you think about brands that you no longer go to, like we're abandoning brands today in a way that we never did before. We had way more grace for companies. And now you'll find yourself in conversation, people saying, oh, I don't go there anymore. Well, why? Well, let me tell you about this one time. And it was because of a frontline employee. Hmm. They were frustrating to work with, they were indifferent and they didn't care. But I don't think they know the power that they have. And that's why I wanted to write the book was, man, if every employee knew, whether they're front lines or they're within a culture, that they have the power to make or break a moment of impact on someone else's lives, and they did something with that, I really think our world would be a much kinder, nicer, more empowered place to be. And I thought, well, let's try it. Let's see if we can get that out there to the world and what might happen. So, so the, the underneath it, it says five elements to make an impact. So you don't have to do all five, but yeah. can you give us maybe two yes. elements that, that you could share here? And then of course you've got to get the book to get the other, yes. the other three. But uh, what are, or book for a speech, but what are, say, say two of the five. Okay, so the first one is choosing your mindset. And I think that one is most often overlooked because we want instant gratification. What do I need to do to make the customer experience better like right now? But it all starts with mindset. Our mindset determines what we get. And when our mindset is set in a way that the customer is a necessity and they're not a nuisance, we're gonna engage differently. When we're in leadership and we see our mindset is to set the stage, to be the standard for the rest of our organization, we're gonna approach our work, we're gonna approach how we encourage people, we're gonna approach how we walk in each day differently. So it all starts with mindset. And then I'll jump to know your customer. Mm -hmm. We have to know who we're serving. And sometimes it's a multi-dimensional customer set. There are multiple different audiences that we're serving. But we have to know what do they want? What do they value? What do they want next? And what role do we play in that? And Amazon's a great example of being able to know what, what they want and what they're wanting next. What are those things that are coming next? And we have to stay ahead of customers Otherwise, our competition's gonna come in and they're gonna, they're gonna take the customer. So we have to know what it is that they really want and what they want next and then what role we play in that. And then there's three more. Really <laughs> three great, more. Also, yeah. All right, so to, so to finish up here, so this is, I've, I've really enjoyed, I've learned a lot myself. And just like, one of the hard things about being an interviewer is you'll say something and then I'll start thinking of an idea. I'm like, oh no, I need to stick in the interview because I'm like, oh, this is so good stuff, but I can't use it right now. I can rewatch this in a minute here. But what for you, like what's next for you? Like what are you most excited about that you've, you've had these, you know, 20 years doing these one things. What, what's your most excited about for the next few years? Oh man. I mean, I think in my role at Trillith, it's fun to bring to life new businesses and also working on a nonprofit that's going to be a lot of fun. So that's awesome. But I think when it comes to speaking and content and customer experience, I'm most excited about helping the leaders understand the role they play with the front lines and with the customer and empowering the frontline employee to recognize that they can make a difference on people's lives through their job, that there is purpose in their role. And I think for all of us, when we understand the purpose for our lives and we can express that purpose in our work, we're able to come to life and pop out of bed in a new and fresh way. 
And I just think that that's an exciting place to be. And for every frontline employee to be able to connect those dots, that's really, really thrilling and fun. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. To learn more about today's guests, visit premierspeakers.com. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen.